Dude, I've been watching a lot of flat earthers things lately. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 like flat earthers as in like I believe in flat earthers. Right. But, but like like these documentaries on Netflix, there's a there's a flat earth one right now. And are it's you serious? It is so good. And I just they don't do their homework. And yeah. they they're in the way that they do it is just wrong and you go yeah. what is wrong with you no no bro so, the, the end of that documentary they do they finally do an experiment and <laughs> it's like there's the it, it proves the earth's curvature and that's how it ends it's so great how it ends and i just I, every time i think like yeah that's that's what it feels like talking to a, a trump supporter Welcome, everybody, to the Junction City Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Martinez. With me in the octagon, to my right, special guest host, Katie Owens, yeah. candidate for State Senate 19. Nice. Yes, which is now an open seat. Yeah. <gasps> As of last week, right? Yep. Yep. Alan Christensen officially said he's not running. He's retiring. Yay. So, up for grabs. Up for grabs. And uh, as always, the... More, you look more Canadian today <laughs> than normal. Yeah, they really do the A thing. Yeah, they? Colby Peterson. Yeah, <laughs> I went, I went up to Canada last week and uh, hung out with some Canadians, and yeah, they nice. really, they really say A. On today's show, we're going to be talking with uh, Katie Matheson from Better, Alliance for Better Utah about the legislative sh- session week one. She's going to give us a recap. We're also going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk to Alicia Washington and Malik Dio. Two previous guests on the show. Actually, Katie was a guest on the show as well. She was. Uh, and, and we're going to be recapping the town hall conversation on race here in Ogden. So it was a busy week. Busy week. Last week. Uh, and that's why we were off last week, right? Because yeah. it was so busy. That's that's what it was. Sorry, JC peeps. <laughs> we'll go through some pinkies up, thumbs down. Um, and, you know, that's it's going to be a really high and tight show today. One thing I was going to say about the legislative session updates, we plan to do those each week over the next 45 days. So every podcast until the session is end, Dang. until it's, it's finished, uh, we're going to meet up with Katie, have a quick um, conversation with her just to get updates, talk about bills that have come up that week or things that have happened on the Hill, and then also provide you with a little bit of a look forward on things to anticipate. Nice. So It'll that. be a nice little segment. It'll, yep. it'll take a, over. It should it should take over our pinkies up thumbs down, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a great that's a great segment. It's really good. No, we'll have to get some segment music. But first, what's the hap haps? What's been going on, Kobe? You were in in Ca- Canada. I did go to Canada. Yeah, I had training for my job up there, so I had to go to Vancouver, and so I had to leave on Sunday morning last week and. Spent the last week in rainy Vancouver. I think it rained every single day. Um, but it was nice, you know, got got trained on what my new company, my new job's all about. So that was good. Um, and then I got to, uh, there was some bad weather in Seattle on Friday on the way home. And so it looked like I might miss my connecting flight from, Ooh. so I had to fly from Vancouver to Seattle and then Seattle to Salt Lake. And I was just holding my, cross my fingers, like, please do not make me wait. Because I was already getting, yeah, a like. A week gone from home is tough. I know, man. And I, and I love my children so much. Like, I love my family. And 
it's so weird when you get around other people and they don't love your their families as much as you do, because like they make jokes about like, oh man, my, my that's why it's one of the big reasons actually why I don't call my my children my kids, because I feel like a lot of parents use kids as a pejorative. They're like, oh my kids, like no 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 no. These are my children. Like these are these. Oh my god, that's uh, you're so good. Like they are special to me. Like they these are my peeps, man. Like I love these guys. Like I don't get tired of these of these guys. They're they're my guys, and so yeah, I missed them, but I was able to make the connection. Got through the the rough air in Seattle and made it home on time, which was nice. I missed home. Nice, Katie. What about you? Oh, nothing exciting. I was sick all week. Oh, <laughs> Still got man. like the raspy voice going on. Mm, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, my three-year-old managed to get this huge bump on his head last night. So we were in urgent care. He fell on the sidewalk. Like nothing exciting. Just like crashed on the sidewalk. Huge bump. And so we're all worried about it. Because you know on the head and they get all swollen. Yeah. yeah. You never like, can okay. be care- too no. careful with head injuries too yeah, exactly. anymore. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So that was fun. So, he, yeah. so he was just like running around and just bam. Fell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of my fault, to be fair, because he was kind of close <laughs> to the street and he was like spinning in circles. And I'm like, dude, no, you're like going to run into the street. And then I like kind of grabbed for him and then he crashed. <laughs> so yeah, that didn't help. He was but. okay, though, like nothing serious. No, just not at all. A, I mean, we were sitting there. We were yeah. sitting there in urgent care and he's like drawing pictures and like writing his name. And, and the nurse comes in and she's like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Just a nice goose egg, huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's bad. It's, yeah. Can't wear hats for like a, a couple days. That was my thing. Dude, my kid's school doesn't let him wear hats. Well, I'm just saying, you know. Sucks. Yeah. Well, I, we I, were... I've got him some good hats, dude. Well, I don't think you can wear hats in school at all, right? Not usually. No, yeah. Who wears no. hats to school anyway, Kobe? That's stupid, dude. Everyone should be allowed to wear hats. <laughs> well, like He's got a good Weber State hat. He's got a good Carolina Panthers hat. He's got a Milwaukee Brewers hat. He's got a Jazz hat. Like he's got better hats than I got. Yeah, all those hats I would say are probably pretty trashy hats anyway. No, they're trashy team, trashy teams. The hats I better find. Those are great. The teams are fine. Those, <laughs> those are great teams. Great hats, great teams. Uh, I was busy this what week. About you, man. Yeah. What do you? Yes. Uh, on Tuesday, I went to the Davis County central committee oh we davis dem central committee meeting? yeah davis how Dems. was it man i heard there were like 25 yeah there, there were a ton of people there well i mean i don't know because it, it's like the first one i've ever been to no, i haven't been to one out there and they were all telling me that there were a lot of people and i was like oh okay well this doesn't seem like a lot of people but i guess it's a lot of people so that's good you know i i don't know how we get anything done out there like honestly like don't get me wrong i like the people there and that they were nice people but Same. We've, been, we've been doing some stuff right but my goodness, like we got to that meeting and uh, my wife and I were there. We were we had to pick up my aunts that were coming in from uh, Arizona. There was a death in the family. And they were coming down. So we knew we had to leave. Okay, we have to leave at 730. It's like, and the, and the meeting started at 630. It's 715 and we haven't even gotten to the first thing on the agenda. It was crazy. Like people were talking about how, you know, they want to see the Democrats go for this and this and this and like. The whole the whole thing was we were there to talk about caucus night. Is yeah, that right? Caucus, caucus night. night. Yeah, it's in March. And we didn't even get like we didn't even scratch the surface of that because my wife and I were like, "What?" I, I ended up like standing up in the meeting, being like, "Hey, my name's Dan Martinez. I do a little podcast thing. I can do live event stuff. If you need me, call me. Let me know what's going on. I'd love to help. We got to go." And then we left. But 
So yeah. I mean, I think it went well. Well, one thing we <laughs> uh, one thing we learned is that uh, I mean, if you are listening to this podcast in Davis County, the caucus meeting will be at Davis High, right? Isn't that what they told us? Yeah, yeah, Dave, Davis, Davis High, High in March or something. Yeah, Whereas March twenty fourth is caucus night for what? everybody. Bam! Yeah. Well, yes, oh, man, I, I like was. having informed people on the show. Yeah, but uh, Weber Dems they got lots and lots of locations, right? Lots. Yeah, yeah so it depends like, on your house. Like a dozen. Oh, right, because we only had the one. Whoop, yep. Right there in Davis. We're all gonna meet in one. Yep. So that was Tuesday, and then, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday happened. Uh, there were some things that happened. I don't even remember really. Uh, but Saturday, no, today, today, Sunday, Sunday, I went out shooting. Yeah, how was that? Guns, good times, like real guns. <laughs> they shoot bullets. Why are you laughing, Katie? Do you, do you guys do you, <laughs> just the way you said it? <laughs> like, what else would you be shooting? <laughs> Not Nerf guns. I know, or like paintballs, or Not I mean, what are we no. Yeah, these were real guns with real people. No, I wasn't <laughs> shooting real people, but my friends were real people. Dang. And these are like. I love these guys They because they would come into Laser Zone, right? And that's how I met these guys. Um, and But they are very much like, they are very much Republican people, right? Conservative Republicans. Uh, I don't know that they're Trump people, but they're definitely conservative. And like the whole time we were going down there, like we were talking about guns and like gun, gun, gun activism and all this stuff. And it was kind of, it was, it was weird. Um, but I mean, like, you you know, th- there's something to say about like actually talking and hearing what they have to say about things, sure. you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that it's, it, it's, it's difficult because the conversation has become so toxic, but if you really kind of like push everything away and get down to brass tacks, like we want the same stuff. We want essentially the same things, you know, like they, they know when we were talking about it, it was like. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be able to, or th- there should be background checks, right? Like, that one's an easy one. Background mm-hmm. checks, easy, boom, background checks, put them in, done, right? It's, um, it was funny to me that they had, like, issues with, because I would say, oh, oh, that's your, your AAR, right? And they'd be like, yeah, that's just a type of gun, and then they'd go into this rant about it, and then it was like, but yeah, that's, that's, I, I call it an AR, too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so. So it is an AR. So it is an AR. Because <laughs> what always happens is like, you don't know guns. You can't talk about guns. And it's like, yeah, but come on, man. Like, level with me here. Like, you're doing the same thing, man. Like, knock it off. Yeah, yeah. But I think I might get into uh, that clay pigeon shooting. That was Dude, fun. Yeah. I'll go shoot pigeons with you. That, have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's a, that's intense. Dude, my family's from the western hard. part of the county, man. Like, guns all day out there. Really? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. I'm not a good shot, but it's fun. And the, my favorite part was the the twenty the twenty two shooting twenty twos, yeah. Little but, guys, you know the little guys. They're yeah. just little ones. They're like ping, ping, ping. That was yeah, because the bigger ones, you're surprised at how much they kick back. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't have much well, dude, with like either, you're gonna go kinda... out and shoot clay with a twelve gauge. Like, get out of here. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's it's like cheating, man. Well, I don't get it, dude. You're gonna go out. I mean, it's like overkill. It's way overkill. Twelve gauge shotgun on a freaking clay pigeon. I don't know, man. As opposed to what? What would you be shooting with a twelve gauge like, shotgun? Like, like a rifle. You know, you're shooting. You're shooting with a twenty two. Wait, you want to shoot the little ones with the clay pigeon? That'd be too hard. No way, dude. No way. You weren't shooting clays with twenty twos. No, we were shooting with the the, the shotgun thing. Oh, you the were? Shotgun. Yeah. Twenty gauge. Uh, no. Uh, now you're big, asking too many. Big questions. shotgun or little shotgun? 
It was a big shotgun. I mean, I don't know. I, it was a shotgun to me. How far away was this? In Mountain Green? No, 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 no. Like, oh. how far away was the clay from you when you were shooting? From, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with distances. All right. It was like maybe 30, 100 feet. 100 feet. No? Okay. 100, 100 yards. Okay. That's No, that's far. That's pretty good. No, that's... 100 yards. Good. That's a football field, right? No, it wasn't that. Okay. It was like 30 yards, maybe. Like half a football field? Yeah, because you just throw the thing. Anyway, it was cool. Yeah, no, was shooting fun. guns is fun. Yeah, it was fun. We shouldn't let that just be a Republican thing. We shouldn't. There, dude, Jason Allen will go shoot guns with you. Really? Yeah, there are lots of Democrats that go shoot guns, man. Mm-hmm. Do you shoot Katie, guns? Katie, you down to go shoot uh, guns? Yeah, I am actually, yeah. I mean, I don't typically. I've done it a couple of times, yeah, like, but yeah, anything. I'd be down for that it. That was the other thing, too, is like talking about owning guns, and I was just like, I don't, I don't own one. I don't need one. I don't want one, but like, I can see the uh, allure of it, right? Like, oh, yeah, that was cool. I wouldn't want to keep one, though. Mm. Just not for me, right? We have one, but it's a hunting rifle because my husband grew up hunting. And yeah. So, yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what you shoot clays with, dude. Cultural. Real man. What? <laughs> a hunting rifle? Oh, oh my gosh. No, dude, no, no. Get, I, it, get it out I'm there. pretty sure that, like, the competition way is you shoot it with a... 12 gauge maybe so but i'm i'm i'm, tr- I'm trying to get next level here dude. i'm trying to get next level get next level <laughs> yeah so that was my that was my weekend now, that sounds like good times man yeah dude sounds it like was super a lot of fun. fun times yeah i've never done it before um why don't we take a break here right and we'll come back when we come back we'll be we'll have that conversation with katie matheson Ashley Wolfius and the Elements of Real Estate are proud to support the independent local journalism of the Junction City podcast. If you're buying or selling real estate, or if you need a certified residential appraiser, contact Ashley at theelementsofrealestate.com or by calling 801-391-8503. Welcome everyone back to the Junction City podcast. I am sitting here with Katie Matheson, who is the Communications Director of Alliance for a Better Utah. Katie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we decided that for uh, the legislative session this year that JCP would try and help the JCPs understand how what's going on down there because it happens kind of whirlwind. It happens really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And so we thought, well, maybe we do these quick 10 to 15 minute uh, segments each week mm-hmm. and uh, with your help, Katie, and just say, okay, what what were some bills that happened this week? What are some of the things that went on? And then looking forward, what are some things that uh, the folks can do to get involved? So mm-hmm. let's jump right into that. I wanted to ask uh, first and foremost about the tax reform repeal because the last episode that we had of the show, it was before they had verified the number of signatures. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't clear then that you know we were going to get there. They surpassed that threshold. And then as soon as that knowledge became public, the governor and the speaker and the, the Senate president announced that they were just going to flat repeal the bill. Is that right? Yep. So um, going into that, I want to ask, what does that mean now if they just repeal the bill? Does that mean they go back to whatever existed before? Yes. Okay. So just whatever you did before, that's what we're going back to. There are no changes to the tax code, even though we talked about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. None of that matters now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I wrote this in my notes here. Like, Where does that leave Republicans? Well, nobody really knows what's going on with the budget. And so there's questions about, you know, appropriations for bills and stuff like that. Everything's just kind of up in the air. They have this, what was it, $160 million just kind of like floating around now that they don't know what to do with it. Um, what a problem to have. I know. Man. 
Um, so that's where that leaves them in terms of like actual, you know, like stuff that we can follow, you know, the, the way that it impacts the state in a real level, like on a political level. The question is, where does it leave them? It doesn't leave them in a great spot because this is, you know, a number of times now that the people of Utah have kind of given the smackdown to the legislature saying, no. Yeah, we don't. And, uh, and so now, you know, I'm sure behind the scenes, they're probably very mad because they did a lot of really hard work. I mean, it was hard work, you know, sure. they, a lot of them are exhausted because they spent a lot of time putting together this bill and it's not like it's an easy bill. It's a bill with like a million different pieces. You know, it's like a normal bill might be like a kid's puzzle that, you know, has what a hundred pieces or whatever it is. And a tax reform bill might be like a professional level puzzle that has thousands of pieces and they put all those pieces together. And now the people came, you know, of course the people were saying when they started putting this together, like we don't want that, don't do it. So it's really their own fault for not listening, but now everything's kind of up in the air and politically, I don't think it's a great look for them. Yeah. So that's a great point on the budget. We're not sure what that means. And so that $160 million surplus, does that exist in the education budget, which comes from income tax? Yes, I believe so. Okay. So there's $160 million floating there, presumably that will continue to go to education unless there are some tweaks around the budget that happen. Yeah. I I, I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I I have not been looking at the budget. So um, I'll let you know when I know. Yeah. 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 And there's a a lot of turmoil because of that. And then the second piece is from what I heard, I heard somebody say that um, Republicans are going to just sort of take it easy for the session. They're not going to revisit this because now they have to go to November and they don't want to do anything drastic because it's clear that people were unhappy with what they did. So they're just going to try and get everybody reelected and then go forward. Yeah. I mean, I think I imagine that that's definitely a part of it. The political considerations that they have. I would imagine more than that. They're just tired and they don't want to do it. Like they want it to be someone else's problem. Right. Like Herbert doesn't want to deal with this anymore. He's he's out at the end of the year. Right. So, you know, new governor after someone else's problem, you know, let them deal with it is probably what they're thinking. Fair enough. Let's move on to uh, a bill that caught my eye. It was from, you know, I want to say thank you so much for sending out those daily updates from Alliance for a Better Utah. If you're not signed up for those daily legislative updates, please do. They're they're so helpful. The the summary that you all put in the very beginning talking about very key specific bills and at the bottom what the... uh, what the schedule is going to be for the next day. Super helpful for me. I really appreciated it because even though I was in Canada for the, uh, the last week, I was able to kind of keep up with what was going on. And so mm-hmm. if you're not on there, go to uh, betterutah.org mm-hmm. and sign up for those daily legislative updates. They're really awesome. So I saw this one on in one of those emails. This is HB 207 from Norm Thurston. This is a cap on insulin copays. So uh, do you know much about this bill and how it works um, I know a little bit about it. I'm not a healthcare expert. Um, is my mic still on? It yeah. sounds really weird. Yeah. Um, um, so hold on, let me pull up an email, but basically what it would do is it would, um, it would, you know, there, there's an incentive here. There's an incentive there to try and make it so that insulin prices for individuals, um, are lower through a different, a couple different mechanisms in the bill, but then ultimately, Ooh, there's my sound. Um, but then ultimately it would say, okay, well you can't charge more than $30 for a 30, I think it's a 30 day supply of insulin. Um, from our conversations with our friends who do a lot of healthcare work, um, this is a step in the right direction. So that's something, but it's not, you know, as they say it, it's going to save lives, but it's not going to fix the the overall affordability problem with insulin. 
Right. And, and the thing that, that caught my eye on this particular bill was the fact that it really only affects, that cap only affects those who have insurance. Correct. So it's like if, you're, if you don't have insurance for whatever reason, and this, this cap doesn't really affect you because they're essentially capping insurance companies from... Right. It's incentives for insurance companies. Right. Uh, and so I wanted to ask here, I wrote in my notes, likelihood of it passing, what do you think? I don't... I mean, my understanding is that legislators don't like insurance mandates, but... I mean, you know, the <laughs> I would say in a normal setting that, you know, enough people want it and it impacts enough people that th- this is an easy one that they can fix. But as we know, you know, the legislature isn't always great at understanding what the people want. So um, I would hope that it would pass. It seems kind of um, not as much of a um, broad stroke as other, you know, as a bill as a bill could be. So maybe it could pass. Okay. And then the last thing I noticed, um, there was a piece in, I think it was the Salt Lake Tribune that said 78% of Utahns support um, a measure like this to do something about insulin. Yeah. Um, the next one was uh, SB 67. I think you testified at this for in the hearing for this one. This is uh, from Kurt Bramble. This is disposition of fetal remains. Yeah. So uh, essentially the bill is that if a woman has a miscarriage or uh, in other cases an abortion, they have to decide what to do with the with the the, the fetal tissue. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they're sort of putting this pressure on women because before they didn't have to necessarily do anything, right? Mm-hmm. They could just, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But now this this bill would mandate a decision from right. So you woman. would have to sign a waiver that indicated what your decision was on those fetal remains. So. Um, and it's important to note that in this context, in this bill, um, the tissue from an abortion and the tissue from a miscarriage are kind of, they're treated the same. Mm-hmm. And so let's say I am 10 weeks pregnant. I go into the emergency room. I have a miscarriage there in the emergency room. I'm dealing with the trauma of the miscarriage. And now I have a piece of paper and a medical professional in front of me saying, all right, do you want to bury it or cremate it? Yeah. Because those are the two options, right? Right. Should... However, that was the original bill. So it passed out of committee on Friday with a substitute, and um, the substitute changed a little bit. So it would add a third option to that waiver, and the third option would be what is um, kind of status quo right now, which is that I'm I as the woman am not don't want to make this decision. I'm going to let the the healthcare facility decide, and then the healthcare facility decides whether to bury it or cremate it. I see. But you still have to sign that piece of paper. You still have to do it, right? So I I was actually. pretty um i mean re- on, i would say rightfully so um upset about this bill and i think a lot of people were really upset about it going in um there were a lot of really great um folks particularly who work in the healthcare world who deal with this on a day-to-day basis working on the background connecting with the the um, sponsor of the bill senator bramble and after their conversations with him um the first substitute that ended up coming out of committee was a st- a big step in the right direction. Um, and so I actually came out of that committee feeling fairly hopeful about where this could go. There's still a lot of problems. There's a question of cost. There's the fact that healthcare facilities do have to um, pay for these this tissue either to be buried or cremated. Um, but And that cost, you know, the, the, those costs are not dealt with in the bill. They're just mandating, this is what you have it's, to do with it. Yeah, it's unclear who will cover those costs. The right. assumption is that it will flow down to the um, woman. Um, but the substitute also did say that, you know, orig- in the original bill, the healthcare facility could only 
hold on to the tissue for 10 days. Now it's 120 days. So it gives them a lot more leeway, which is good. Um, and in the committee hearing, Senator Bramble indicated that he was open to further conversation. And I know that in that committee, um, Senator Escamilla in particular seemed very eager to have further conversations with him. So um, it's not done yet and it's not a great bill, but we did go a step in the right direction on Friday. Yeah. So I wrote in my notes, this feels like an ALEC bill. ALEC is the American Legislative Exchange Council, yes. right? So this is basically a, a right-wing group that writes legislation and then tries to distribute it out to the states to push things like this, uh, gun control, abortion. Yeah, so it's like a if I'm a legislator and I know what my values are, but I don't know what bills I want to run, I go to a bill store where this bill store has values that are similar to mine and they have model legislation that I can you know, take back to my state. That's basically what ALEC is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is an ALEC bill, actually. Okay, yeah. So that's um, what I wrote was like, it feels like it. It does because I, um, Indiana has a right. similar bill. Yeah, that's what I wrote was a uh, similar law exists in Indiana and it was upheld by their Supreme Court earlier last year. Uh, parts of it were. Parts of it. Yeah, I'm not sure on the details of which parts were and were not. So that's what had me wondering. It's like, okay, this is happening in Indiana, which elected Mike Pence for governor. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, there, there's something, there's a precedent for maybe something like this. Mm -hmm. And then... And I mean, this is what you see um, with these anti-abortion laws across the country. Even if they're not ALEC bills, they all like, there's there's some kind of, you know, group nationally that, you know, is shopping out these bills or saying, you know, oh, we can fight it this way. So you're going to see trends. Like every year you see trends. This is one of the trends that we see this year. Um, there are a couple others that I can't remember right now. Um, we're going to see later this year if it, it's not numbered yet, so we don't have the text for it, but Christiansen's bill, which I think we talked about before, which would require a woman to look at an ultrasound prior to an abortion. Right. Yeah. That bill exists in Kentucky. So, you know, it's a pattern that we're seeing around the country. Yeah. Super anti-choice. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to ask, there's a group that testified in the hearings. Uh, they were called Pro-Life Utah, and they were sort of sitting right next to the senator as he mm -hmm. gave his explanation. So Mary um, Taylor. Yeah. And so uh, can you tell me a little bit more about them? Them sitting there with the senator while they were you know, talking to the committee was something that really caught my eye because it wasn't necessarily like someone like you who was going to come up for public comment. Yeah, they helped in they him were there. presenting the bill. Yeah. And so, so who are they? So, well, it's worth noting, first of all, that um, Senator Bramble has said that this bill was brought to him by Carrie Ann Lisenby. She's a representative and she is the floor sponsor on this bill. She's out of Davis County, right? Yes. Like Syrac yes, yes, Syracuse. yes. Davis County. Yes. Yep. Um, she's the one that destroyed the the good conversion therapy bill. Right. Yeah. And so she's the reason that we had to have this um, this alternative way to ban conversion therapy for minors in Utah. Um, so my understanding is that she brought him the bill. She's run anti-choice bills in the past. Um, so he ran this one. So Pro-Life Utah is just a group of people. I don't know if they're a nonprofit. I assume that they are. Um, but they, um, they're, they're a member, they're a part of the group called Abortion Free Utah, which their stated goal is to end the quote is end elective abortion in Utah or I guess in the country. Um, and so they are always up on the Hill whenever it comes to any kind of choice bills. Um, you know, Bramble spent a lot of time talking about how 
this bill that he was putting forward had nothing to do with challenging abortion, and yet Pro-Life Utah was up there helping him present on the bill. So yeah, clearly that was not necessarily the case. It probably means that they were in the background helping prepare the bill. You know, they were heavily involved. It's something that we've seen before. It makes me feel super gross every time it happens. I've seen Sutherland Institute help present a bill before in a oh committee. Yeah. So, you know, my dream is one day that I will be able to be up there helping present on a bill. But I mean, not me personally, but like our organization. But the, we're just so far off from that. Also, we don't really lobby. So, yeah, I was like, you guys, uh, like, you know, drafting legislation and policy is not necessarily not thing, yeah. Your, yeah, big thing. I mean, we're all we're registered as lobbyists. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a registered lobbyist, but that's more because we sometimes have conversations with legislators about pieces of legislation. But we're not like I wouldn't consider myself a, what I do lobbying. Yeah, um, it's but, like we've talked about in the past, where like you said, you guys are up there as a watchdog. Mm-hmm. You're up there to kind of keep the public in the know about what's going on, mm-hmm. and we appreciate that. But you know the the lobbyist registration is more of a CYA it seems where it's yeah. just like if you delve into that you know mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, back to pro life Utah. I mean they're they're an interesting group of people. I've seen them up there before. You know we've been on opposite sides of you know protests and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know this is a really weird thing to say, but honestly, one of my after I've seen them a couple of times, one of my impulses when I see them is to want to just hug them. I feel like there's a lot of pain in that group and a lot of pain around among the women who are involved in that group. And I honestly just want to like, and I've actually personally, not in my official capacity with Alliance for Better Utah, but just personally reached out to one of them before and said, I would love to sit down and just talk with you about this. And she wasn't ready for it. So okay, one day. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about, um, oh, so just to wrap that last one up, sorry. So that bill did pass. So there was a substitution. With the sub, yeah. Uh, so it will go to the 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 Senate. Yeah. So it goes to the Senate, and uh, it will it will be. I guess they're going to hash it out there. It sounds like Senator Escamilla wants to talk a little bit more, mm-hmm. and so we may see things change yet. Uh, the next one was this is going to be really short. Uh, Dan McKay proposed to elect judges. So this is uh, <laughs> SJR eight. Everyone hates this bill. Everyone hates this bill. <laughs> no one likes this like, bill. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote my notes. Roundly rejected by R's and D's alike. Spencer Cox went after him on Twitter. Yeah. He's like, this is such a bad idea. Don't do this. Yeah, Utah State Bar said, this is dumb. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I saw um, McKay's clap back on that because... He's like, you want it to be, you want people to be responsive or you want judges, you want government to be responsive to the people. I'm you know, his, his clap back to, to Spencer Cox was, you're always about the people. Why wouldn't you want the people to elect judges? And Spencer Cox is like, you clearly have not looked at any of the data on this. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. And so what I wrote was, I mean, so his, it's clear that his beef is with the retention process. And so uh, if you're not familiar, what happens is on your ballot each year, there will be a list of judges and uh, the people vote whether or not to retain those judges. So you can decide, you can vote yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, if an, and if there are enough no votes on a judge, then they are not retained. Mm-hmm. So there's somewhat of a check. But I wrote in my notes, could the retention process be improved? Maybe that's the beef. Is Because I found it difficult as somebody who spends time on my ballot. Uh, to find information out mm-hmm. about a particular judge, there are groups now that are giving that, in, like putting that information out online, which is great, and I found that to be really helpful last time. Um, my understanding um, from the lawyers that I have talked to about this bill is that Utah's um, judicial system in general is held up as one of the best systems in the country. Right. And I think Cox said that in his tweets, yeah. right? It was like, we're the best in the country yeah. at this. We're so the just, gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> don't change it. It's so, good. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't screw it. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's like, 
okay, so, you know, you don't like the retention process. It's hard for people to understand who to, you know, like how to vote on a ballot. So like, how is that going to be easier by putting these people on a ballot to elect them to begin with? Yeah. You know, it's like what you're going to get is you're going to get a bunch of um, Joe Arpaio. Was he, was he, he was the sheriff in Arizona, he was sheriff, right? Yeah. In Maricopa County. Yeah. I mean, he's not a judge, but you're just going to get a bunch of, um, what it's going to be like that. Cause I think Brian King made the argument that pretty much what happens is you have judges who begin to make decisions on the bench based on, based on politics. Yeah. yeah. And, politics. and you know, and pretty much we're going to, we're going to sentence people to longer sentences because then we look tougher on crime it, yeah. and then, you know, and which all kinds of problems with that. Right. Yeah. So just mm -hmm. leave it alone. I don't see that going anywhere. Okay, great. Yeah, because like I said, it roundly rejected. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to... Oh, there was one more bill that uh, we had just talked about briefly. Uh, so Senator Jake Anderegg, mm -hmm. uh, he he proposed this bill today, I saw on Twitter just barely, uh, mm -hmm. where he wants to increase funding to UTA to double track front runner. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and there's also a component... I can't speak to the specifics of the bill. I haven't read it. Um, but it's, it, it's something about um, renewable energies. You know, he mentioned, as you said prior to us recording, he wants it to be like european style i was surprised by those words coming <laughs> Which, from a republican I mean, jake andreg is really surprising me this year because last year he was just not great on a lot of things in particular he was um a leading voice in the senate on repealing prop three. Oh wow and this year he's running a number of bills that were all like oh this is really great we love like, this i love this i'm so excited for this public transit bill and they actually talked about it today in senate avail media availability so i'm wondering if that means that that's something that they're putting forward i mean like you know, I am a progressive, and so nine times out of ten, I don't agree with Republicans. But if this is if this is the new face of Utah Republicanism, like I'll take it. Honestly, yeah. Like if if this is the direction the party goes, uh, it makes it tough for Utah Democrats because it's like, okay, now we got to you know. Oh no! Now we have a battle of good ideas. Yeah, now we have this battle of good ideas, which is a, which is a good problem to have. Right. Um, okay, so I wanted to move forward then and say what to watch for next week. Do you have anything in particular in your mind that you, you can tell the JC peeps about that will be happening on the Hill this week? Yeah, I mean, it's a little tricky because the schedule comes out like I don't we don't know what's happening except for 24 hours in advance. So we I have see. the schedule for tomorrow and that's it. Yeah, all and the tomorrow more is the day that this podcast comes out. Right. So definitely subscribe to our daily um, legislative updates. And those are written by your executive director, Chase. This yeah, year. they're written by Chase. Um so one thing that's coming up tomorrow, two things that are coming up tomorrow in committee. Um, so there's the tax credit for educator expenses, which is, again, sponsored by Senator Andreg. And this, I believe, would give uh, something like a $1,000 tax credit for educators who use their own money to buy school supplies. So that's like a basic... That's a, I can't believe that's actually not a thing already. Yeah. So great. That's great. Great move. Mm -hmm. And then there is uh, family planning service amendments from Senator Kitchen. Um, and that's going to be in committee as well tomorrow. And that's one of those pro-family um, bills that we, I think we might've talked about it. We in talked the past. about uh, yeah. the, 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 it was house and Senate Dems got together in November mm -hmm. and announced the suite of pro-family bills. Mm -hmm. This is one. Yeah. And so this would, it's a very simple fix. It would um, cover family planning services for folks who don't, for whatever reason, qualify for regular um, Medicaid help. Um, and so it would cover people from who right now, the cutoff is 90% of the federal poverty level. So it'd go all the way up to 250% of the federal poverty level. So basically it's just helping more people get access to whatever family planning services they need. Yeah, and this is always my argument to Republicans on Twitter or whatever. And we had this, I had this debate last week where it was like, listen, man, like you can't sit here and talk about how you hate abortion so much and then not get on board with policies like this because it's clear that if you, if you want less abortion, you need to invest in 
comprehensive sex education, family planning services. Mm -hmm. You know, like you need right. to invest in other things then to bring this level down. And Democrats will agree with you on that. Right, yeah. They, they'll get on board with it. And it's not even, I mean, if they want it to be about abortion, then that's fine. They can have everything be about abortion. For me, for my money, it's about fewer unplanned or un, unplanned pregnancies. Right. You know, so, you know, it, it's, it makes things it makes life easier it makes things better you know life is better for children for families for parents for you know society it's it, it makes sense and these are easy fixes yeah easy things to invest in mm -hmm. that will you know make a big difference in the long run and mm -hmm. happier families right yep well great uh katie thanks so much for chatting with us on uh doing a uh, an update on the the week one of the legislative session we'll look forward to next week mm -hmm. um like we said follow um, follow the legislative updates at betterutah.org. Mm -hmm. You can sign up for those. Uh, also follow those folks on Twitter. So that's at Better Utah. Mm -hmm. and, and then also I, I would recommend following you all individually. So I follow Chase. I follow yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I follow other members of your staff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... Um, and then Facebook is another place. Yeah, so you can follow us on Facebook. You can friend us on Facebook if you want. I'm the only one who's really on Facebook. And it really staff. feels like Twitter is the place. <laughs> Twitter like if you is the place. Yeah, you want to yeah. stay up to date. Like you get up on Twitter and then, we, you know, you folks keep everyone up to date. You're sitting in those committee meetings, yeah. you know, live tweeting that stuff out. Mm -hmm. And so you can really get the pulse of what's going mm -hmm. on before waiting for the news cycle. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next up, we're going to have, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with Alicia Washington, Malik Dio, uh, and Dan, and our guest host, Katie, and we're going to talk about the town hall conversation on race that happened last week with Ogden Police Chief Randy Watt. Hey, JC peeps, it's Colby, and I want to tell you about our new home, Foley's MMA. Foley's MMA offers classes in boxing, kickboxing, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu for ages 5 to adult. All experience levels are welcome. It's owned and operated by our good friends Disco Dave and Sana Foley at 31st and Washington Boulevard in downtown Ogden, if you know where it is. It's right next to Kiesel, uh, the Kiesel Services place. So uh, I came to Foley's MMA, uh, gosh, it's been a while ago. And uh, I really wanted to uh, help out in the community. I helped uh, Dave and Sana start a nonprofit that helps kids uh, get in here and uh, get their, get uh, learn how to box and those kinds of things. And so uh, from there, my wife started coming. She's been um, almost weekly attendant here at Foley's MMA. Uh, loves it. Always loves her gym family. And so if you want to be a part of that gym family, you should come on down too. So if you're interested or just curious, check them out at foleysmma.com or follow them on social media to learn about upcoming classes they've got a lot of them uh it's a solid gym with good folks and a great place to learn train and get in shape so oh the last most important piece officially approved by john miles so check them out great welcome back jc peeps uh we're here uh speaking with malik dio and uh alicia washington two previous guests that we've had on before uh we're here to talk about the town hall conversation uh that was recently held with uh police chief randy watt uh, this was something that, that you had helped or you had basically um, put it together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so myself and um, Adrian Andrews and Reverend Monica Hall about three and a half years ago was when we held our first town hall conversation on race. Um, the reason why these conversations came to be is with the rise of uh, publicized uh, police brutality on black and brown bodies. I'm um, like with Philandro Castile, right. um, Tamir Rice, um, Sandra Bland. And for me personally, I'm like, this is right around the corner for Ogden City. 
It's happening across the nation. Right, the it country. It probably yeah. has already happened within the state and within our county. And I don't want to see people that I care about being killed by police, period. And so called a lot of people out, did it the old school way on Facebook. <laughs> and we met up and we had a three-hour conversation at Cafe Mercantile three and a half years ago. And then from that, myself, Adrian, and Monica started these town hall conversations on race because we realized that people were ready to have these conversations and wanted to engage with them. And also with the shift in the political climate with the 2016 election, um, people felt really lost on how to engage in different communities um, especially when people within their own community makeup or families um, may have voted or participated differently than they did. And so it was a different way to galvanize new voices. And so with that, um, with this current town hall conversation on race that we had on January 30th, uh, this last Thursday, previously myself and Monica and Adrian, excuse me, we had uh, organized a meeting with police chief Watt and his um, upper administration, including Diana Lopez. It was on January 6th. And we had just reiterated that by OPD not attending the last, last town hall conversation on race, it spoke volumes. And that there needed to be greater access and more transparency with the police department and the people they serve. Um, so as citizens. And within that conversation, different things were talked about. Um, one of the biggest ones being that there's a research and survey that's conducted every two years. Um, one happens annually, so they're like staggered. Um, and that they have all of this data that they've collected, um, that they study, they try to make improvements on, but it's not shared with the community. And Adrian and I were just kind of like both a little dumbfounded so it's really quick. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but the data that you're talking about, I'm going to come back to you, Malik, on this. Did did we, was that the data that you had brought to the show, man, back in December? Was no, that right? That, was that was, that was force data. That was different data. That completely different data. Correct. Okay, cool. And so th these are actual surveys Specific that are conducted. for Ogden City okay. and OPD specifically. So we're not even talking about the county. Specific to Ogden oh, wow. City and okay. Ogden City Police. Exactly. That's the same look that Adrian and I had where it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. How what? We, why isn't this yeah. information being presented? Why isn't it accessible? You can't go on the website right now and find it. And even at that, if you were to request like a, a grandma report, it would come in very specific segmented ways. You couldn't just look up and find the data that you wanted specifically see if you were writing a report, if you were at Weaver State University. Right. It's just not as available as it should be to the people who should know this information. And so um, at the end of that meeting, we all knew we wanted to find a time, police department and the organizers of the town hall conversation on race, to talk about this data and to have OPD answer questions from the previous town hall that they had not attended. And so we found that Thursday, January 30th would work. And myself and Adrian, we had put together an agenda where the first 40 minutes would be a slideshow presentation on the data and um, the analytics of those studies. And then 20 minutes would be dedicated to answering questions from the previous town hall. And then the last 20 minutes would be an open Q&A. And um, myself and Monica, we were really surprised when the day before we were presented with a different agenda um, from OPD. And we just continued a dialogue with them of 
this is something that we spent time in the meeting talking about that we have heard from the community and feel like the community would really like to hear these statistics statistics so let's please stick with the with what we have, original right? what we've um, planned on. agenda yeah and so with that you know we didn't want to cancel or anything so we move forward with the evening and um a quick recap and then i'm sure we'll launch into it is uh for the first 45 minutes um chief watt talked about uh the statistics can i ask a quick question so i just watched it online did he have a slideshow behind it no no okay because he was just talking and actually a slideshow would have been kind of helpful like exactly. to actually show a visual of some of the things right. that he was talking about well because you have to i mean number one we did have um if people wanted to have a asl interpreter we we had that available but we didn't present any of the information in spanish we didn't have that available so we also recognize that there's some shortcomings of how that information gets put out um but also in regards to the slideshow people are so visual sometimes right and yeah. if you can see a pie chart of x y and z and also hear it it's going to sink in differently than just someone giving you a lecture for 45 minutes. And um, you could tell the room was starting to detach from the information because it was a lot of statistics and some of the questions from the previous town hall that they did not attend, some of those questions he answered, he lumped in within that 45 minutes of him talking. Um, And then it was broken up um, really and the last chunk of time was open Q&A with the audience until eight o'clock. So it was um, different than the organizers had intended, but I feel it was important that OPD was there, um, that it was the first time uh, it felt, once we got past the first 45 minutes, less scripted than any conversation that I've been present that has happened with OPD in a public way. So essentially the first 45 minutes, kind of like a, a math 1050 professor up there lecturing and then. And then <laughs> Pretty then, much, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but still forward progress because they at least attended, right? Yes. Uh, and there was some dialogue back and forth. How was that uh, with? Uh, well, um, my perspective is they fumbled almost every question that was asked to them um fumbled they, fumbled like they uh so like uh one question that stood out is when one of the uh people in the audience asked you know um how do you measure um traffic stops by ethnicity if um on the tickets they uh mark down hispanics as being white how are you tracking those and he just paused for a second he just stood quiet, he took off his glasses, he put them on the table, he began to fumble his words a little bit, and finally his answer was uh, his years of experience uh, to put uh, any type of block for ethnicity would be offensive to the person they're pulling over. And it's like, well, how can that be? If, you know, if, it says, if there's a block box that says white, why can't there be a box that says Hispanic, right? Um, so that uh, another one is uh, there was an ACLU uh, observer who was there, and she asked about uh, through uh, hiring, you know, if they uh, test for any type of bias or anything like that. And uh, the chief said it was all done by the HR department, 
Um, you know, and all the hiring process. He did say there was an outside source they use out in Salt Lake City for the psychology testing. For the psychology so testing, it's two separate agencies. Yeah, so it doesn't even happen. So the psychology in-house. testing, supposedly the bias testing, is contained within the psychology testing. Um, but when asked, can you give us a picture of what that? you know, that looks like, uh, they weren't able to articulate that at all. So for all we know, there may or may not be, you know, questions in reference to bi- uh, bias uh, in the psych- psychological test, right? So, uh, and there was just a couple of incidents, instances like that where they just weren't able to answer questions directly um, as far as, the you know, d- diversity in hiring, uh, the chief didn't really seem like he had the answers to why he wasn't able to uh, hire people of color onto the department. He just basically said he failed in that area. So a lot of questions really didn't get answered to the audience's satisfaction, in my opinion. So it, was it like a concession, like, oh, yeah, this that one's on me, we'll, we'll do better? Or was it just kind of like... Well, I mean, that didn't happen. You so... watched it. I think you have a completely different take because, you know, we were there in the room. And so with and you listened to it just a couple of days yeah, ago. Katie, right? Well, I listened to it live, actually. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah. But I was curious about that, too, because it didn't seem like he made the step of, OK, how do we fix that? And he, he had a lot of excuses, not excuses. I shouldn't say that. A lot of reasons that he feels that it was difficult to hire people of color, mm-hmm. but he didn't necessarily have a, OK, well, what's the plan going forward? How can we do that and specifically how can I work with this group so that was one question I had for you is 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 there a plan going forward of how can you all in your communities help with that you know how how can you get more diversity into the police force and that's a question for him but also I think those people that were in the room and how can they help with that situation yeah do you feel like there was something that you you took away like oh okay this is the way we can move forward from this or i think what was successful about that meeting is it happened yeah plain and simple i don't think um anything was moved forward i don't think anything was moved back i think it was an instance where people showed up and that's what needed to happen is people the police chief was there you have a great monitor uh someone who moderated the conversation which was adrian who is the best in the game at it who knew how to temper those questions, interact with the audience in ways that I felt like maybe OPD um, didn't know how to bridge that gap. Um, Not that she was um, uh, answering for them, but just, you know, finessing that relationship there. Because, again, you have a police chief in front of, and I should say, like, half of the audience was um, leaders within the community, from council members to uh, President Brad Mortensen, to Viviana Felix, like a lot of people um, that are leaders of different organizations and agencies, and then half of the audience was made up of uh, concerned community members. So that was a great turnout. But we all, it just showed that we were all ready to come to the table. Definitely, definitely. Well, and I got the perception that he was a little worried that it was going to get contentious, and I don't feel that it ever did. It was all very respectful and very, I felt it was very productive in that way. Well, I mean, I think you start with, uh, which a lot of people have either been encouraged by it or really, it's a deterrent when you say it's a town hall conversation on race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm the white uh, police chief showing up to this. Yeah, uh, that's going to be full of the black and black and brown mobs, you know, ready to take me down. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, these conversations, we just provide an, a neutral ground, let's say, and provide the tools in which we can have a very um, 
well-tempered conversation. I don't even know how to say it because I don't want to put any biases on it, but most people want to ha- just have a dialogue. Yeah. And yeah, everything is like so heightened. It's like if you're having it on social media, if you're having it out with somebody, oh, God, right? Yeah. It just goes from zero to you're blocked. There's what are those tools to even learn how to have a conversation and to also be vulnerable in front of someone that maybe you typically wouldn't talk to and learn how to convey your point to help bring someone to a higher level of understanding. That's really the basis of building a stronger community to me instead of throwing my hands up and saying like, I don't know the answer. I just know something's wrong. Okay, great. So we all can see something is wrong, but we we're here tonight and we all showed up and it was very civil, if you will, not that it was going to be anything but, Mm -hmm. and we can move forward. We can take those next steps now. So that sounds like the progress that was made uh, for everyone in the community as far as like re, uh, everyone coming together, having a seat at the table almost, mm-hmm. right? Um, or showing up at the table. Yeah, showing up at the table. For OPD. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> um, is there, was there, uh, are, are there questions that you thought maybe uh, kind of came out of, uh, that, that maybe surprised you from the community that maybe, um, you know, that Chief Want maybe didn't handle or handled well, I, I don't know, but like uh, one that came from the community that you thought, oh, that's an interesting sp- perspective. I didn't see that part of it. Yeah, so I think it was interesting when uh, the, there was a retired Salt Lake police officer there who had asked Randy Watt, he had said, hey, you said three years ago um, that you were going to do everything to beef up the diversity in the uh, department, you know, and uh, how do you feel you've done on that? And Randy Watt was like, well, you know, I failed on that. And then later on, I had asked him about it. Well, what are you going to do to, you know, vigorously try to, you know, hire people of color under the department? And he was like, well, I have to wait on an individual who's an army recruiter to get back with him to come up with a new recruiting plan. So he, to me, he didn't really show any interest whatsoever during this town hall in really wanting to attack the problem with the diversity in hiring and he definitely doesn't seem like he wants to provide any arrest rate stati- uh, statistics as you know by ethnicity or anything like that he's really uh, trying to suppress that information it seems like so um just to clarify you said he doesn't want to provide that information of like the the arrest statistics it, do- it, does, it seems like they're holding that back to me it doesn't seem like they're wanting to track arrests by ethnicity you know, it seems like that, that or, or they're not wanting to report those statistics uh, by ethnicity. It seems like they're trying to hold those back for some reason. If and I think the statistics are there. I think mm-hmm. they're there. For me, there's a clarification in these studies mm-hmm. dive into those statistics, but they are not. I have not seen them put out in any type of public display. Correct. And it's not easily accessible. Like, again, if you wanted to go to their website. So it does feel like they're withholding that information Mm -hmm. and I don't know what purpose that is for because they're serving the public and so we should have access to that data yeah and and having that kind of closed off from the community it not that it's a bad thing but it kind of has like what kind of I don't know nefarious maybe right it almost feels a little that way like what do you well, I think what, it's what, a, a control you, a power know? control it's yeah. a it's it's wanting to obtain that that power and hold on to it i mean there is that disparity in um the arrests of the african-americans within this community 
and the population of African Americans within the state, like we were talking about earlier, which was, you know, there's 2.3% of the population is African American in the state of Utah, yet there's an arrest rate, if I'm remembering the correct statistic, but it's at least 6%. Wow. And so why is that specific to Ogden City that our African American population, citizens are getting arrested at a higher rate than really what exists in the population? And the, the chief spoke on that, that they're doing a study on that, an internal study of what is going on. But that really wasn't shared clearly at the public meeting. Exactly. Or you didn't see that statistic because it wasn't shown in a slideshow. I'm not saying that absolves the, the issue, but at least it shows that they're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that it's on the radar at least, right? Like and something, yeah. And that it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and then hopefully they're using that for self-reflection. Yes. Um, but we're, we may or may not ever see that. And I think they are because, again, in this meeting that Adrian and I had previously in January, we spoke about that a little bit more in depth, but that's not on me. That's not my task to share that with the community. I expected to create an environment in which they showed up to be willing to talk about those numbers with the public. So that's on their shoulders that they weren't more forthright with that information. Yeah, and that's what I was expecting to see. I was expecting to see you know, Diana Lopez come out with uh, any type of statistics that had to do with people of color. And I have a real problem with them not being able to uh, track uh, traffic stops by ethnicity. Um, because if we're getting arrested at higher rates, I can guarantee that we're also getting stopped and give, getting ticketed at, at higher, higher rates rate, as well. Yeah. And there's no way to measure any type of disproportionate traffic stops at this time because there's no they're not they're just not simply tracking it well yeah that that question so you you brought up that um that latinos are are kind of put into uh, caucasian right like that yeah i, I when I've i used to take here they marked white i asked if i could put hispanic they're like no there's there's no, no box for it. Yeah, you put white. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, white. yeah. And th that always bothered me. But that, is that something that Ogden can change, or is that like? Because I, I want to say that's like a nationwide thing, isn't it? Like, when when I would take tests in high school or college and stuff, and it was like, there's no box for me. What the, what the hell? I think it's. Um, I I was just having this conversation with um another friend in in a different capacity where it was within like um the medical field and like papers mm -hmm. that you fill out when you go in for a checkup yeah. or whatnot. And she was realizing there was a separate box for white. And then you go down and it's like Hispanic Latino, but then it goes into even more detail. And she's like, Oh, I can mark this and this and this for my children now. And if those agencies can change that, mm -hmm. then, then the P Ogden PD should be able to. Yeah. There's yes. several government agencies that ask for your, you know, your ethnicity, you know, mm -hmm. and filling out forms. It's not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I've seen those forms, and I, I just think though, I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I'm maybe a couple times where it's been like Latino or Hispanic, but it's for the most part, it's like that. That option is not there, right? Um, but that is something that they can change within their own wheelhouse, right? They can they can update their forms on their own, like they don't have to. Do you see what I'm saying? What what I would be concerned is like. Are they going to say, no, we're not going to do that because it could lead to some kind of lawsuit down the road? Do you see what I mean? Would that would that be a problem? So my, I don't know if I can speak to that clearly. Um, to my understanding from the town hall conversation on race, um, one of uh, the ch uh, Chief Watts staff um, answered it that when they get to the jail and they are doing that intake, 
then there is a more specific box for someone to check who is a person of color. That's what I... But that, not, not traffic stops. Correct. It's at the jail at that point is mm-hmm. more... Yeah, and then it was interesting. One of the chief's captains had made a comment, well, your ethnicity is listed on your driver's license, and that's how they track it. But okay. if anybody checks their Utah driver's license right now, there is nothing that states your ethnicity on there. So that was a little bit of a misleading answer. That Well, and I had I was at the back of the room, and I watched several people pull out their IDs mm-hmm. and, and check that. So... Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they want to, I mean, I'm, they took a great step in showing up, like, you know, Alicia said, you know, they, they were in a forum that they weren't used to, these mm-hmm. open questions, and they had to, you know, kind of be put on the hot seat for a minute. But, you you know, you have to be forthcoming. You have to have integrity um, when you're answering. You, you just can't, you know, stand up uh, for the chief when he's stuck on something and just make up an answer to just appease everybody in the audience. You know right. I, mean? I, can, I can verify, just look at my license. Nothing. Do you feel that this is a good foundation for future conversations like this? Like, is this going to happen again? Is this? Uh, For town hall conversations on race, we will continue to have them. We've had them at least twice, if not three times a year since we started them three years ago. Specifically, it's for me, I've always wanted it to focus around police, race, and community. Um, And I feel like it's getting back to its roots of um, its original intention uh, for the community and if it boils down to we always have someone from PD, specifically the um, OPD, excuse me, specifically the chief, I think that is an amazing step forward. Yeah. If twice a year he's in a public forum, granted he should probably be in more, but this is a touchstone for the community and we can keep building off of it. You know, and it seems like uh, it's a big topic of discussion right now in, in you know, community circles and out at the uh, city council meetings. You know, the police and policing and stuff is, is a pretty hot topic right now in this city. Yeah, I was going to – did uh, militarizing the police, that that whole thing, that come up at all? or It's come up in previous it's town hall previous conversations. One, not this one. Um, but really, this is – outside of the first year that we did it, um, this is the first time that we've had more representation from OPD and specifically the chief to attend and speak on it. And it really was just him and Adrian. Um, if people want to go back, uh, Angel, Angel Castillo um, did a live stream, so it's on her Facebook page. And then OPD actually um, did a live stream of it as well on Facebook, so you can go back and, and watch it. And the forum? It's in, I, I think Angel shared it in our JCP forum. Great. So for all the JCP out, JC peeps mm-hmm. out there looking to um, recap that, they can do that in the forum. Uh, speaking of JC peeps and getting involved, what what can they do? What are some things that uh, that we can do to kind of help or, or get involved or move forward? Um, help with whatever. I mean, what what do we specifically when it comes to like uh, policing and like race relations? Um, ye- or just let's any- let's say yes, and then we can kind of go. <laughs> we can start small and go big. Um, I definitely think for me, following up on the accountability of OPD, when it comes specifically in a micro level, access to those studies that have happened um, and receiving that data and those statistics, they should be specifically, you could go pick up something from OPD and read the report there, um, just kind of unfiltered in a sense, let the data speak for itself. Um, 
So and does that mean like going to the office or contacting the OPD I for have, this the, these stats? Or I have to do my own research because I'm still um, searching for those reports, to be completely honest. And that was something that was shared at the town hall conversation is how do, how do we access this? Where is it? Why isn't it as readily available as it should be? Like um, we talked about uh, the retired detective, um, Salt Lake detective. He said, you go to Salt Lake's police department's, their page, and it's almost real time looking at data, police reports, access to past reports or past um, studies that have been done. Like we are decades behind in making that information accessible to the public here in Ogden City. So really continuing to push that and say, like, where is it? Why don't we have it? I think it's going to bring a lot of race, you know, a lot of race. I think it's going to bring a lot of, to me, it's going to bring a lot of racism to the surface that's going on with this uh, department. You know, not just the problems with the diversity in hiring, but the, you know, disproportionate arrest rates. It's just going to, it's you know, just bringing it out into public. And I don't even know how detailed the information is that they have. Mm -hmm. um, but just bringing that out into public, I don't think is, is going to make them have to answer more questions that they really don't want to have to answer or, or just say they don't know. Um, I, but, yeah, it should be made available. It should be on their website. Um, the, the public should know uh, this information. There should be transparency in our police department if the if they expect to build any type of trust with the community especially communities of color mm -hmm. um, if there's a big gap you know if there's if that bridge is broken between the community of color and the police then they need to take extra steps to make that information available and be transparent because if you're just hiding it then it's it's just going to uh, make that distrust you know a lot a lot more can than I what it needs to be can i throw out a scenario really mm -hmm. quick okay let's say it comes out right mm -hmm. the reports come out racist right like there's a lot of racism going on right mm -hmm. and it shows that it's pretty clear and and randy watt apologizes right oh my god this is what this has been going on we're sorry i mean then what happens next do you for me that shows a sense of accountability um, it shows a sense of vulnerability which i think is really hard for public servants to be in and it also shows you can grow from an apology. It's not the end of a career. It's not. Um, yeah, Ogden PD is not going to just like be dismantled because they apologized for being racist in the past. I think that's the true source of of instituting change within these systems of power that have operated longer than any of us really, and and who you know benefits from these systems and who the disadvantaged are because you can really have these in-depth nuanced conversation of how race and um, the laws really in the police and how that, how they intersect and really what that looks at like. Well, what happens for you, Malik? He well, says, he, said he says, sorry, Hey, I'm sorry, like, man. Okay, great. Well, you know, what are we going to do moving forward then to, yeah. to make sure that, you know, we improve this, you know, what the system, you know, I feel like, you know, both of us, it's, it's, it's not as easy as that, but it kind mm -hmm. of is as easy as that as that, because then you take on a certain responsibility and mm -hmm. that's almost what you want to see in a leader is someone who identifies the problem is willing to take that and apologize on behalf of and correct it. It's 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 yeah, that plain and simple. Yeah. yeah.
and invite yep. new i mean having these citizen review um, committees and boards really examining that i mean pushing for that you can always lobby your council members and talk to them about what's going on that's part of our job as citizens right is we keep them informed as to what's going on because they're only going to see what's put in front of them at the work sessions to be quite honest in anything that they have a vested interest in outside of that. Yeah, and that's why it's important to go to the council meetings every Tuesday and bring up these issues. Uh, my, my main objective now moving forward is to uh, push uh, in the council meetings for more diversity in hiring and uh, to try to push for uh, tracking uh, traffic stop by ethnicity. I think those are two uh, major things that this department needs to get done right now. And if we're at the council meetings every Tuesday repeating this over and over, they're not going to have any choice but to put it on the table and start discussing it and see what they got to do to fix it. Is there an active community advisory council right now? For you know? just in general? Yeah. or um, Not that I think answers directly to either city council or the police department, no. Hmm. And um, additionally to what uh, Malik was saying, uh, the public can attend the work sessions before the city council meetings on Tuesday. They happen at four o'clock. You're not allowed to speak or to interact, but that's really a way to um, have a forecast on what is coming up to be voted on. Um, and then also that's a great way that you know what to talk to city council about during the week or before that vote is up. So um, additionally, an email is always effective if you're unable to attend the meetings. You can call them. I mean, they are your representatives. They got voted in to office. So utilize that. Utilize their ear. There's some great people on city council who understand the nuances of race and economics and that other city council members maybe are um, out of touch. a little out of touch on. <laughs> yeah. So, and then also there's um, literature that you can read. Um, there's maybe if you can help me, I can't remember the author, um, The New Jim Crow. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. mm. The New Jim Crow. I can't remember the author. I think Alexander or something like that. Um, read up on it if you're like, I maybe have never heard about these issues happening with race and the police. That's a great way to start. Um, you could listen to the 1619 Project put out by the New York Times. Um, it's an amazing um, study and, and, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, podcast research uh, done that this country was actually founded on 1619 versus 1776 with the arrival of the first um, captured Africans who were sold into slavery. So let's say somebody is really excited about or really um, trying to get in there and, and get involved, but they don't want to do it by themselves. Are there groups? Good time to plug the groups that we're all y'all are involved in and their meeting times right i i mean i guess it's i guess um for me i would say if <laughs> I'll, I'll plug i'll plug my other hat which is um maybe if you're looking for a different way to hear about different social issues that are happening um i feel like good company theater we present um well-rounded and diverse stories um that feature um, topics of people of color, but um, it's done through live theater and on stage. So through uh, theater, which is my love. But then also, um, like with town hall conversations on race, you can attend those. We have um, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and we post when the next meetings are going to be. Um, I'm trying to think of other groups. 
Um, there's a lot of groups. I have my own group. Uh, we call ourselves Utahns for Police Reform, and we're just a small group. We're not really formalized <laughs> yet. We're still uh, working on what we're trying to become. Um, also, uh, within the uh, politics, we're trying to uh, make a public safety caucus with uh, Weber Democrats. So I'm just trying to get my oh, people cool. together so we can uh, get that caucus started here shortly um, to help work towards you know, issues on police reform as well. Yeah. Then I think there's small ways that you can stay involved too, like through um, Coffee Links. Like they have a fundraiser going. I'm not sure if they still have the shirts available, but for their, they're for dreamers. And so you go and you purchase oh, nice. a T-shirt for like $20 and it goes to a scholarship for dreamers. So, I mean, there's little ways just embedded throughout this community um, that stem from small businesses that are going to support specifically communities of color. Mm -hmm. Dining for dollars at um, Sonora Grill. It happens on the, it's on the 5th. And um, you go and um, everything that's made, all the proceeds made from that day, go to scholarships for Dreamers up at Weber State University. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I know Hub City Coffee, too. They also uh, put money back into the community from the sales they make. But yeah. then there's the local like NAACP chapter. There's the local Black Lives Matter chapter. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a Facebook person, you can just do a search for the local chapters under those names. Um, if you're a Facebook person, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just had to throw that in if there. If you're a Facebook person, find when the next meeting in is and then go and to the then meeting. then go to the meeting. Because yeah. even if you're like, I have never been to a meeting like this, you're really outside of your comfort zone. Showing up is one of the best things that you can do because really m most of them are very warm, welcoming environments and just want to bring a larger community together for a greater good. You know, it'd be nice to follow up with another town hall with the police like in another six months just to see uh, where they're at with the questions yeah, what uh, that we with. asked this last time. You know, where they're at on the recruiting efforts now um, and other concerns that uh, were brought up by the community. Oh, I completely agree. And um, we've already, uh, Adrian and I have started to uh, talk about the next town hall conversation, which uh, we would like the person who conducts those studies um, for OPD statistics to actually present those statistics in a slideshow manner or something that is visually and a little bit easier to follow. And maybe somebody from the hiring so they can answer those oh, questions. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think well, that would be, be nice. crucial. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie, you have anything else? Thank you so much for coming out and uh, taking your time on on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Right. <laughs> Not oh, that it mattered. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> just come out and talk to the JC peeps about what happened. Um, and uh, thank you. We appreciate all the things you do for Ogden City. Keep staying involved. Thank you. Awesome. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be back with some pinkies up, thumbs down. Ashley Wolthius and the Elements of Real Estate are proud to support the independent local journalism of the Junction City podcast. If you're buying or selling real estate, or if you need a certified residential appraiser, contact Ashley at theelementsofrealestate.com or by calling 801-391-8503. All right, welcome back. What, what a great conversation all of those were. Thanks, Kobe and Katie. And me. 
<laughs> you would thank yourself, dude. Let's get right into uh, pinkies up, thumbs down. Um, Kobe, I well, let's Katie. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Sure. Pinkies up, thumbs down. So mine was the tax referendum thing, um, which you probably talk about with Katie Matheson a little bit, but um, because I'm not sure if it's a thumbs up or a pinkies down yet. I oh. mean, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, on the one hand, it's good that the legislature finally listened to us. Do you know about this? So it's the, what everybody was collecting signatures for to get the tax referendum on the ballot. In Harmons, right? Yeah, Harmons was a big part of it. So everybody was kind of pissed about the tax reform being pushed in in special session in December, which was legitimate. And uh, so it was a super high threshold of we can't get this many signatures. We're never going to get it. We're never going to get it. Well, we did. They crushed um, it. Yeah, totally. Um, and so the legislature, seeing the writing on the wall at the very last minute, right before they went into session, said, basically, first thing we're going to do when we go into session is we're going to repeal this. So in some ways, it took the wind out of the sails because like, if it had gone on the ballot in November, I think we would have seen a lot of people really galvanized and maybe more people getting out to vote because it was on the ballot in November. So now they're kind of taking the wind out of the sails of that. But on the other hand, they did listen to people and they did repeal what was frankly a bad bill so it's a little bit of both i feel like yeah oh well that yeah i i didn't even think about that that yeah because it would have right it would have really rallied a lot of people but do i guess the question is do we really need that because it's a presidential election anyway and that's one of the more um you get more voter attendance anyway for it's true yeah we usually have pretty good turnout and i mean we've been having better and better turnout so yeah, it'll be a big year no matter what, cool. I think. So still, we're on the fence of the it's pinkies up. Bit, yeah. It's a little bit of this. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because the other thing is, is it remains to be seen what they're going to do now. So they said, great, we're going to repeal this bill that we passed in special session. It doesn't mean that they're not going to pass other things throughout the session. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, mm. from what I read, they said they probably weren't going to try anything for the rest of the year. They were just going to kind of let folks get reelected and then try again. Bastards. Yeah. So well, that just it just emphasizes the you know, the point of voting voting down ballot this year, where it's like you know you're voting for folks like Katie, and others <sighs> like they they are going to yes. be the ones that have the say in how that tax reform shapes up, in addition to redistricting. Mm-hmm. So this is a big year to vote down ballot for Democrats. Yeah, that's the other one we've really got to keep an eye on. It remains to be seen. They might mess mess with it again this year. It might be next year. Proposition four. Yeah, the yeah. redistricting. Commission. Is that intimidating at all? <laughs> Why? Well, I I don't know. I just like it's a lot of power. Like that's a lot of uh, I, responsibility I on you. It, let's say that you win, right? Like, do you ever think? I mean, right now it's a lot of power and responsibility in people who I don't entirely trust and Mm. who I don't think are, you know, to go back to that conversation we had earlier about transparency and, and yeah, I, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. It is, but I don't particularly like where the power and responsibility lies right now and I want to see it changed. Mm. Good answer. That's why she's running. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, She's so good. (laughs) Uh, My thumbs up, my pinky's up. I'm sorry. Did you have a thumbs down? No, it was both, right? It was, it was both. Okay. Yeah. So my pinky's up. Shane Forrester yeah. and the Kansas City Shane. Chiefs. Well, Shane didn't do anything. <laughs> he just happens to be a Chiefs fan. But pinky's up to, to the Chiefs. That, that's my... And by uh, attribution. <laughs> yeah, it's Shane Forrester. Shane Forrester. That's my hope that Shane will come back on, you know, before he, he leaves off to Arizona for his work or whatever he's doing. I think he's doing some big project out there, so... 
But yeah, Pinky's up to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I was so worried that the Niners were going to win. Me too. It looked that way, right? Uh, the Niners, are, oh, Niner fans, I, and a lot of them are family members, are unbearable. Oh my gosh. They're, are they? They're in your division, right? They're yeah. In, they're and in we're ca- yeah. Division. And I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm like, how? No, no. Yeah, I'm with you. Can't even. Can't even. You my can't f- even, right? Well, well, that's how my father-in-law was because he's a Raiders fan. Oh. oh, I was gonna say, you know who's worse is Raiders fans. Yeah, yeah, Raiders they, and then Cowboys fans. Yeah, they were like, oh, no Cowboys Chiefs, fans, can't yeah. do it with the Chiefs, got to gotta root for the other side. I was like, dude, you can't root for the rich side of the Bay? No way, dude. <laughs> yeah. Root for the rich side of the Bay? That's yeah. so true. Yeah, dude. Oakland? Dude, everybody takes a crap on Oakland all the time. It sucks, dude. Oakland's a great place. Yeah. Well. When I was there, I thought it, it had potential. Place? I thought it had yeah, potential. And Maddie was freaked out because he's like, you can't be walking around downtown in Oakland at night. I was like, well, I did. You did? Yeah. Yeah, everybody says you're not supposed to. Well, I did. I went to the grocery store because I was hungry. <laughs> and I bought food and I went home. I went back to the hotel. I went and walked downtown Kansas City yeah. at night. Power and Light District. Yeah, they deserve it. That place is awesome. I love Kansas City. Mm. It's a little hilly, but whatever. Like, there's no mountains, but that's fine. So there's there's my pinkies up. Yeah, man. I'm with you on that, like, cause I want to see Andy Reid win the chip. You know, let, let get the big man yeah. a ring, dude. Get him some. I mean, get, him, get him his cheeseburgers and his ring, and, and he's he can ride off to the sunset. Yeah, man. I mean, I bet he'll come back next year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got a great team. Sure, but uh, but just you know that like he was a coach who had I think like one of the the winningest coaches who had never yep. won a Super Bowl. Who'd never won a Super Bowl. I was like, man, come on, get the big man a ring, and they got him one. So good job, good job, Patrick Mahomes. My homies, my homies. I like my homies, dude. Uh, I don't have a pinkies up this week. What? But I do have a couple of thumbs down. The fir- the first one goes to uh, so speaking to the tax reform thing. Um, so uh, Brad Wilson is the speaker of the house. Um, when he made some remarks on the first day of the session, talking about repealing tax, the tax reform bill. It was really annoying the way that he sort of couched it, where like. He took a jab at the referendum process, talking about how, like, well, direct democracy is not the best way to do things, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, man, but you forced the citizens' hand because you rammed, you tried to ram this thing down their throats, and you got a coalition of Republicans, Democrats, and Independents to gather. I mean, how many how many signatures were, was it? They needed, like, 116. And they got, like, 150 or something? Yeah, yeah they got, like, like one, yeah. way yeah, a lot more. They crushed it, right? Yeah. And so it's like you single-handedly pissed off enough people from across <laughs> the political spectrum right. to roundly get this piece of legislation rejected, and then you had the balls to turn around and talk about how direct democracy is not such a good thing. But it's like, but this is what you force because you want to sit there and talk about how you know you listen to people for sixty plus hours or whatever. But you and I went to one of those meetings, and it wasn't yeah. just you know like listening to people and, and like a, an exchange of ideas. No, not at all. That's, that's not what happened. It wasn't a conversation. It was people standing up to microphones saying, well, I, I think this, I think this, I think this. Well, and look, direct democracy has its place, and this yeah. is its place. Yeah, it's a check yeah. on your power yep. because you're doing something that we don't like. So thumbs down to Brad Wilson for acting like a huge dick on the first day of the session and, you know, not recognizing that people don't feel heard and instead choosing to go with the grievance train and saying, well, you know, we know better. Like, that's not the way forward. 
Uh, yeah, people didn't really understand it. Yeah, people didn't understand it. You know, like he's trying to take this erudite. You oh, know. that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, stop trying to be everyone's dad. You're not everyone's dad. Explain it to them then. If they don't understand it, explain it to them, man. Because you did. It's, it's clear you did a poor job of that. So, and when they didn't understand it because you chose not to explain it, or they didn't dig into the complexities of your hundreds of page tax bill, what did it end up being like two hundred and something mm-hmm. pages? You can't be pissed off at them, man. Like, it is your job to communicate that value. And you didn't communicate that value. And you got rejected for it. So, thumbs down to that, man. But also, thumbs down to uninformed Trump supporters who are going to go out there and tell me that it's it's all a sham. It's all partisanship. The president, you know, is being treated unfairly. When you have not done a single bit of the homework... I pressed a couple of people in my family. Uh-oh. Yeah. Because they wanted to tell me. Because there, there was a, a Trump commercial that came on, and, and they know that I'm a Democrat, and they want to harass me. And so I pressed them back, and I said, oh, yeah? You guys don't think that there should be a trial? You think the president should be acquitted? Well, well, the, it all started with the witnesses thing, right? So Republicans voted to have no witnesses. For the first time in this country's history, we're going to have a trial in the Senate without witnesses. Without witnesses. What is that? Like, what is that? And so they're going to say, well, the House should have made a better case. Okay. Well, well, part of the reason is like I pointed straight to John Bolton. I was like, why didn't John Bolton come? Why didn't they even subpoena John Bolton? Well, I don't know. Because he said he'd take him to court. He didn't want to be subpoenaed. He didn't want to go to the House. And then when the time came, he wanted to go to the Senate because he knew he probably didn't have to go. Or his book would be ready to the point where he could push it. He could peddle that book when the time came. The guy sold his country out, man. He's Republican. But then the biggest thing was, okay, man, you think that the case against the president is unfair and that there shouldn't even be a trial? Did you even listen to any of the highlights to the the House hearings? Do you even know who testified? The answer was no. They didn't know who testified. They didn't know what they said because they didn't have time. They're not like me and can listen to it all day. Newsflash, I didn't listen to it all day because I got a job too. In fact, I got two jobs. But I listened to the highlights. I heard what they had to say, and I said, yeah, there should be a trial. The president should be impeached. We should be talking about this. And so when it broke right down to their opinion, I told him, I was like, listen, man, like, you may think that our opinions are equal, but they're not. Your opinion is trash compared to mine. And that's not, and, and that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's not an ideology thing. That's not a I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat thing. It's a I read the news and listened to the reports, and you didn't. And you think that our opinions are equal. Mm-hmm. They are not. I researched my opinion. You didn't. So you're just out here with some gut reaction while I actually listened to what they had to say and said, yeah, the president, we should investigate this. We should have witnesses. We should have all this stuff. So thumbs down to that behavior, man. You don't get to go out there and pretend like your opinion is equal to somebody who has actually done the homework. You want to be taken seriously? Do the homework. Well, let's talk about uh, upcoming events. Uh, Let's see here. Tuesday, February 4th. Alan Holmes Diversity Symposium keynote speaker will be Asaf Orr. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I don't know the name, but uh, what's the organization? It's the uh, national. It's of the National Center for Lesbian Rights, uh, and that'll be in the Wildcat Theater, Shepherd Union Building. That's going on from ten thirty a.m. to eleven forty-five uh, a.m. Again, that's on Tuesday, February fourth. So part of the reason I put this on is because the, the entire conversation for the Allen Holmes Symposium on Diversity this year 
is about uh, trans inclusion in sports, which I think is you know a, a hot topic. I don't know if you if you're a person who like hangs out in the video section of um, Facebook sometimes and you're willing to give conservatives a chance and listen to their arguments. Facebook starts to think that you actually like Jordan Peterson. I don't, <laughs> but oh it always serves gosh. me up as good. And this is a thing that he brings up a lot, right? Like, well, that just makes no sense. You know, obviously they have this, you know, and it's like on its face, that seems to make sense. But, this, you know, this keynote speaker is going to talk about that and some misconceptions about trans inclusion in athletics. Really? Yeah. So I want to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. Because I've heard Jordan Peterson make his case. Yeah. And now I'm going to go listen to the other side. And it'll be Ooh. right here in Ogden. Well, that that that's actually really, huh? That'd be a good. That'd be an interesting one to hear. It's compelling, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wednesday, February fifth, dining for dollars. Uh, we talked about this uh, with uh, Alicia. This is at Sonora Grill. Um, this is going on from eleven a.m. to nine p.m. Pretty much, yeah. If Sonora Grill, all of the, I believe it's revenue. They donate revenue. I don't think it's even profit. It's revenue from wow. from the day. They donate up to a certain amount. And that that money goes into a scholarship fund at Weber State, and it helps um, undocumented students who you're saying dreamers, right? Yep, dreamers oh, nice. who don't have access to um, federal aid dollars, so they're trying to make their way through college as best they can um, through you know whatever scholarships don't require U.S. citizenship, and this is one of them. This is right. this is scholarship specifically for them. And if you show up and buy a burrito on this day, you're helping them out. Good food, good cause. So come hang out. All right, Saturday, February 8th, uh, Political Engagement for Beginners. This will be held at the Wildcat Theater, Shepherd Union Building, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Ooh, this one sounds pretty good. Yeah, so this is the Weber Dems thing they're putting on, where they're just going to kind of give you like a one-hour crash course on getting involved nice. in politics. Yeah, make it make it a little less uh, intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, are you going to that? That actually wouldn't be... Too bad for you to kind of pop, poke your head in, right? They're having two of them. I'm definitely going to one of them. Yeah. Yeah, the other one's on the 22nd. 22nd, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, Saturday, February 15th, Weber, Weber Young Dems DNC Delegate Training. This will be at the Weber Dems office. Formerly the... Uh, the lair. The lair, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's uh, 470 uh, 24th Street in there in Ogden, Suite 201. This is going on from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Yeah, and so the idea here is if you're a young Democrat, so if you're 35 or younger in Weber County or one of the surrounding counties, whether that's uh, Cache County, I was just going to ask, is this Davis Davis, County as well? Yeah, whoever's. If you want to come up, it's free to you if you're a young Democrat. And uh, Sasha Lux Morgan, who is the president of Young Dems uh, Utah, Young Democrats of Utah, will be there explaining to you how you can get on as a national delegate to go to Milwaukee in July and cast a ballot for what I hope is, you know, the next president of the United States. Dang, yeah. that sounds cool. So you get to be a part, you get to be in the room, and you know, all the speeches and stuff, all that stuff that's on TV, you can go. And they're going to train you how to do it so you can get selected as a delegate and go. Wow. If you are over 35, you can go, but it costs like $40 or something. What if you're 35, right at 35? Yeah, you can You can, you can. go. You're still considered a young Democrat? Yeah, that's not, crazy. You don't age out until you're 36. What are you thirty six yet? I'm thirty four. You're thirty four? Yeah. Dang. How old are you? Thirty five. You can come, dude. You're a young dem. That's crazy. To When's me. your birthday? July thirty first. Yeah, dude. You could go. What? 
You should have gone but, to Indy with me last summer. But my back hurts. <laughs> well, you're not alone, man. There are lots of older young Dems. Older young Dems. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, we we think we talked about that last show. Good folks, man. Um, also going on Saturday, February fifteenth, Northern Utah Black Lives Matter Know Your Rights training and chapter meeting. This will be at the Unitarian Universalist Church. This is uh seven oh five twenty third Street in Ogden. Going on from 1.30 p.m. to 4 p.m. So after the Young Dems, you just head on over to uh, the church and go to the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, my plan for this day is go to go to Dems Coffee at 9.30. Then go up to the county party offices, do the training. Go to lunch with all the people from the training on 25th Street. Then, then head up to the Universalist Church until 4. Then go to Liver Pizza. That's my plan for that whole day. Dude, you know that's like... Valentine's weekend. Valentine's Day plays second fiddle, man. I mean, my, tell that to Maddie, my, bro. Yeah, my wedding anniversary is the eighth. It's next. It's on Saturday. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess that works. That's always a bigger deal than Valentine's. We don't care as much. So you know what Valentine's Day is this year, which is actually pretty cool, it is a big rally at the Capitol for women's suffrage because oh, this is cool. the hundredth anniversary what? of women actually getting the right to vote. White women. So yeah. um, this is true. Yep. Um, so there's a big event going on at the Capitol on it's February fourteenth. So that's where I'm going to be that day. So take take Cecile for a That'll date. be your Valentine's Day. I, I'm taking my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll take Hallie. Um, I want to I get my daughter more involved in politics. Like she, she always talks to me about, like she's really worried about climate change right now. Like she's super worried about it. So I took her to the library. We got her all these books on climate change. So yeah, maybe I'll have to take her to that. Yeah, you yeah, got to start them early. Cool. Otherwise yeah. they get to teenagers yeah. and then they're like, Dad, I don't want to do the same things you do, Dude. you you old man. Lint liquor. No, my, my daughter. Yeah, lint liquor. <laughs> she's starting protests at school, and I keep trying to get her to tell me what they're protesting, so I don't think she quite gets the concept, but she's like, yeah, we're doing a protest at the playground. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she's wow. been an activist. I know. We took her to the Women's March when she was three. I think that's where it started. Dang. Nice. I love that stuff. That yeah. is like awesome. Like taking the children yeah. when they're young. Yeah, totally. We took Hallie, I don't know how old she was, but we took her in 2016 for a Sanders march down in Salt Lake. And uh, I, to, to this day, I can still go, who do we want? And she'll say, Bernie. <laughs> and I'll say, when do we want him? Now. <laughs> so proud. That's awesome. Proud dad. Well, um, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Junction City Podcast. Even though Dan hates it. Even though you really shouldn't be on there because it's just bad for everyone. Eat that, Zuckerberg. Yeah, seriously. That fool. Oh, we're going to have Zuckerberg out for silicone slopes. I did so see that. So what? I did see that. Like I can lint, lick some lint. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's you, where our forum is. That's where a lot of things go up. Uh, get involved. Join the forum. Uh, and... and Answer the poll questions when we get poll questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna post something this week. We've been dormant on the polls. We need to get get it going. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Junction City Podcast at Junction City Pod. I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you can you can follow us on Instagram, also Junction City Podcast. Uh, search for us on YouTube, Junction City Podcast. And uh, if you'd like, if we're doing a good job here, if you want to see us do more, uh, give us some money. You know, you can always. Uh, Put out, uh, uh, we're on Patreon, um, Junction City Podcast. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Uh, you can find our show notes 
and that's where we'll we'll put links to uh, a good company theater, all the, the organizations that we talk about on the show. We'll have links to their uh, their events, their organizations, um, all that's at junctioncitypodcast.com. Um, you, you can, can rate, rate us. us, right? Katie, you want to take the rating? What's the rating? So uh, you can rate us five stars on iTunes or mm-hmm. you know Spotify or something like this. Uh, helps helps boost the um, the podcast and gets into the recommended feeds of other folks who are listening to political podcasts in the area. So helps to grow the community of JC Peeps. It's so weird. I had uh, uh, my old no, my son's basketball coach approached me and was like, "Hey, I, I you know I I'm, I heard about your podcast and I'm going to listen to it." And at first I was just kind of like, oh, ha, 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 what did the kids say to you? And he's like, he pulled out his phone. He's like, no, look, see, there you are. And boom, there we were. I was JCP. like, oh, my gosh. So weird. That's so weird still. Dan Martinez, local celebrity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But right. if you don't rate us, well, no, no, just rate us five we're stars. Same, we're yeah. not doing the Shane thing. Not doing the Shane thing. <laughs> we, won't, we won't insult you until Shane comes back. But it's uh, like every week oh, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh i just messed that up <laughs> it's like we say every week yeah all politics is local or something <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>